Welcome to the Beyond Banky's Gardening Podcast, bringing you interviews with gardeners, plant lovers, and other industry experts. With you by our side, we are growing forward together and nurturing the minds and souls of gardeners both new and old. Check us out at our website, beyondbankies.com. Now, your host for today's podcast, former vice president of Banky Nurseries and the proud granddaughter of its founders, Albert and Rose Banky. Here is Stephanie Fleming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my first ever podcast. These podcasts will be aired the first Thursday of each month, so I hope you can join in and enjoy the different guests we have lined up for 2022. I am so excited to start this new adventure with you. First, I want to take a few minutes to share with you why I started Beyond Bankies in the first place. As many of you might know, back in April of 2019, we had to make the hard decision to close our nursery in Beltsville. After 89 years, it was time to say goodbye. But how do you really say goodbye to so many wonderful employees, current and past, our loyal customers, and our friends? As the weeks went by, so many of you stopped in, you came to buy, you um, wrote to us, you signed our book, and you just kept asking the same question over and over. Now what? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Who's going to give me advice on my plants? And the more I thought about it, I kept thinking to myself, wait a minute, we have so much information on our website. I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to lose the connection. But I also knew there was a lot of garden centers, so many great, great local independent garden centers out there that many of our staff was going to go to. I thought, well, why can't I put these two things together? So I decided to keep the website going and I rebranded it to be Beyond Bankies, thanks to my daughter, Jamie, for coming up with that name. And I kept writing my weekly emails. And my goal was back then, in the fall of 2019, is to visit as many garden centers in the area as I could. And I was going to figure in the spring of 20, I would do it. And of course, COVID happened, and I couldn't do it until this past spring of 21. And I started doing it, and I'll probably do more as time goes on. But the thing is, many people say, well, that's not bankies. I hear that all the time. They have their own unique qualities. They, they're wonderful places. Their employees love working there. Their customers love them. And I think if you give them a chance that maybe you two will find another garden center. And sure, it's not going to be banky nurseries, but it's going to might be something you might like a little better or something that we never had. So we're going to fast forward to today. And here we are with my first ever podcast. How cool is that? So bear with me as I figure this all out. I'm sure I'm going to stumble over many words. Please, please don't ask me to pronounce those Latin names. So here we go. Some of you might remember all the orchid shows we hosted at Bankies over the years, and that is where I began my love of all things orchids. My grandmother, Rose Bankie, always had orchids, and when they weren't blooming, they were in the greenhouse in Beltsville. The National Capital Orchid Society would hold their annual auction, and before I knew it, I had my hand up, and I was a proud owner of this beautiful butterfly orchid, which I knew nothing about. What was I thinking? I ended up almost murdering that poor orchid before today's guest helped me figure out what I was doing wrong. I kept it for a few more years, but I ended up giving it to her because I just didn't have the right collection, and I rehomed a few others, and she gave me advice on which ones would do best for my house. I'm hoping she can recommend some more because at this point, all I have are some African violets. So, our first guest, she describes herself as a committable plantaholic. She has over 25 years experience in the horticulture industry with special interests in integrated pest management, trees. She's an ISA certified arborist. 
landscape design, native plants, and tropicals, especially orchids. She teaches at several regional colleges in the areas of biology, biodiversity, and many aspects of the horticulture industry. She's a certified stormwater management system and is a strong advocate for sustainability. She can often be heard giving talks on a wide range of topics at local venues, including Brookside Gardens, Garden Clubs, Orchid Societies, and of course, before we close, Banky Nurseries. We're so excited to have her as our first guest on our Beyond Banky's Gardening podcast. Please welcome to the show, my friend and yours, Carol Allen. Hi, Carol. Oh, Stephanie, it is it is such an honor to be here. And it's so nice to see your smiling face on the screen. You guys, you you podcast guys don't get to see the faces, but oh my gosh, it's sight for sore eyes to see Stephanie. Yeah, it has been a long time. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. And thank you for inviting me. This is well, cool. Thank you for being my first guest. I'm really excited about this. And Carol, before we get going, I do want to I'll bring up something that I really know that you were excited about. There was a special event a week or so ago in your life, in your mother's life, her 101st birthday. So I want to say happy birthday to your mom. She had an exhausting day. Let me put it to this way. Phone rang off the hook, deliveries of a fancy cake, flowers, people calling, And of course, she's lived at Goodwin House. She lives independently at 101. Awesome. Walks a half mile a day. Stephanie, we need to get off our tuchuses and walk. All right. Uh, So everybody there knows her. And she'll be walking down the hall and they'll say, happy birthday, Mickey Uso or Mrs. Uso. And so, yeah, she had a a brilliant and tiring day. Well, I'm just... Really happy, and I do want to wish her happy birthday. So you make sure she hears that, that Stephanie says, hey there. I will. Let We're going to talk. I know you know about everything plants, just about. Maybe we should have a contest stump carol. But let's talk about orchids, because that is a big thing. Before the nursery closed, you were doing orchid repotting at the nursery, and you had a huge following. So tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got interested in plants in general, and what led you to orchids as one of your passions? One of my passions. Well, you know, it goes back to that woman who turned 101 last Friday. I thought. I'm sure that my imagination has augmented it, but I can remember being out in my mother's garden with my mom in Seattle. Now, we moved from Seattle, Washington when I was five, six, something like that. So these are some of my very first memories of being in the garden with mom. And she, bless her heart, 50s mother, she was a stay-at-home mom until I was a teenager. So whatever mom did, I did. That's who I was raised, and my brother too. So if mom wanted to work in her garden, which, oh boy, she didn't, she had, Stephanie, she had a beautiful garden. Oh my gosh. Just mostly ornamentals, a little bit of edibles, trees, shrubs, you name it. I grew up with that influence. So when we moved to Rochester, New York, which is a is a challenge for a gardener, let me put it to you that way. And the first thing that that happened, so I was six, seven, something like that, is that I got the side yard to garden. Me, we've never been affluent, so of course I was starting things from seed, in ground seed, starting at the age of six and seven, and then it just kind of went from there. I've always had a garden. I've always grown plants in my room. Oh my gosh. 
in Rochester, I can remember that I I must have had 20 glasses with avocado pits in various (laughs) stages of growth. Oh, you were not allowed to throw out an avocado pit in my household. Back in Seattle, mom would go to Pike's Place Market and you could get carrots with the fluffy fronds, the ferny fronds. I can remember starting those ends of the carrot with the fronds in aluminum pie plates with gravel and water. (laughs) This is horticulturally, do not do this. (laughs) Don't do this. What is occurrent right now is taking the nub ends of celery and lettuce and putting them in gravel and water and starting them on again. It just goes full circle. So yes, this is, I've been growing plants literally since I was four or five. So when did you get your first orchid? So my interest in orchids actually was an outgrowth of my fascination with native plants. So we had moved to a neighborhood in Alexandria, and this is way, way back. So we were nestled up against, we'll call it an underdeveloped area, all right? And I'm sure if I go back then I actually have, it was probably like tertiary or four times grown up in that area because people had lived there for hundreds and hundreds of years. But there were, it was a woodland and my garden in Alexandria was a shade garden. So Rochester was sun. So I was immediately as a teenager put into a shade garden and I started, don't do this at home. It's no longer considered legal or kosher. I was digging things up out of the woods. And on top of that, if you walked a little bit further up the hill was an old nursery site. Oh, Stephanie. The things that I moved from that old nursery site, there was a flowering quince. In fact, I think it's still at the Alexandria house. I learned to transplant. I learned to look at site analysis. I was doing site analysis as a teenager. So, of course, when you get into native plants, those holy grail plants are the orchids. So, in those days, you could buy, oh, they were wild collected. Don't do this. Don't do this at home for just a few bucks you could buy native plants from some of these Appalachian suppliers. And I did. I'd save up my chore money and my babysitting money, and I would buy plants. So I kind of cut my eye teeth on native orchids before I got into into epiphytic orchids. So I can't say that I was brilliantly successful. I actually was in some of those, those native orchids. I had the right site. But what a learning curve. When you said you would go into the woods and maybe get things, I remember as a child going for walks with my grandmother, Rose Banky, through the woods up in Burtonsville, and we would collect moss for her sunroom. She had like a waterfall and lady slippers, which I think you're not supposed to do. We would bring them back in, and she loved orchids. Are those some of the things that you were talking about? Actually, yeah. Back in the day, there was really only one book on native plants, of growing native plants in the garden. And it's on my bookshelf. I need to go in there and remind myself what the what the author is, because I'm sure it's out of print. And he had a really good scientific analytical mind on if you were going to move native plants from their in situ, where they grew naturally, into your garden, that you had to look at all of these different factors and it kind of, of drives me just a little a little bananas when I get on Facebook or I'm, I'm talking to master gardeners and people nowadays are talking about making these native plant gardens 
like the plants are plug and play. And they're not. They have evolved to grow in a specific environment. And if you don't start to approximate that environment that they evolved in, that plant's going to be short-lived. It's going to be disease-prone. It's going to be an unhappy camper. Thank heavens I started out my venture as a teenager. I was a long time ago, people. Learning site analysis as being critical. Right. You know, at Banky's, you were so much information. You helped us so much with our native plants, our base-safe plants and everything. And we have all that information on our website still. With the orchids, we started getting into more of the tropical ones. And that's where you started with the repotting of the orchids because people didn't know what to do. And we had one or two people that knew how to do it, but they were always so busy doing other things. And I know you had worked at the nursery before in many different capacities. But when you started doing that and giving talks, I I think that was, it was such an eye-opener for me. And when we had the National Capital Orchid Society come out and I saw all these different orchids. So what do you think we should be looking for, our listeners? What should they look for if they want an orchid? What do they need to know for when they want to pick one out? When we grow plants in the home, going back to this site analysis thing, and if you're going to grow plants, you've got to approximate, she said in air quotes, the environmental conditions that that plant evolved in. Because if you don't, you're going to, sooner or later, you're going to crash and burn. And then the person is going to be unhappy because all they see is failure. And how many times am I at a gathering or a party and people learn that, oh, you grow orchids. Tell me how to grow them. I'm like, oh, do you have three or four hours? But the big thing is understanding the environment that you have. And do you have enough sunlight. Okay. Now you can grow under artificial light, but you've got to have light because guys, photosynthesis rules. This is how a plant creates the sugars and starches that it uses to grow new parts, flowers, roots to grow on. It's not the fertilizer. That's like the salt and pepper on the egg. That's like a little vitamin pill. It's fertilizer is not food. Sunlight is. So if you're going to venture into growing really any tropical plant, you need to think about the light levels that you have naturally occurring in your home, or you have to start getting super techno and you have to start supplementing light. But light is the number one most important thing. Which is why I killed my butterfly orchid or tried to. We won't talk about that. (laughs) That was pretty bad. (laughs) I paid a lot of money for that orchid. I know. Oh, sad, sad. I'm glad you it has a happy home. Yes, yes, it grows on. It grows on. Well, we always sold at the nursery, I call them the moth orchids. It has that big, long word. Phalaenopsis. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) They come in so many pretty colors and they're rebloomers, correct? Absolutely. And, And, you know, you say, okay, all I have left in my house are African violets. Okay, that is the perfect test plant. If you can grow African violets well and bloom them, significantly. And thank God the webinar people are not seeing or the podcast people are not seeing Stephanie's facial expressions right now. Okay. So if you can grow- I can't grow a violet. I keep trying. <laughs> my mother, my mother has one that's over 45 years old and it looks beautiful and not me. I, but I've just bought another one at Homestead a couple weeks ago. But this segues beautifully into- People can learn. And that's why I start with with the sunlight thing, because I can teach you how to water. I can teach you how to analyze the root mass and 
Are you watering correctly? Are you overwatering, underwatering? What does that medium look like, that potting soil or whatever that plant is growing? Is it, is it appropriate? Has it degraded? I can teach you that. The one thing I can't teach is sunlight and, and do you have enough sun? So, so what if you're like me and you have a house and you get some sunlight coming in? I get a lot more now that we cut down the trees. It comes in. I don't want to fool with artificial lights and stuff, but I just want an orchid to sit on my kitchen windowsill and enjoy. You know, I want it to bloom for a little while. That's what I liked about the butterfly orchid. It, it was really cool watching it. What do you tell people? Also, once you pick it out, do you put that ice cube on it? Like <gasps> I mean? <laughs> I see that. You know, people say, they swear, you put an ice cube on an orchid. People don't do that. So let's talk about Stephanie, for you, okay, if you've got a couple of hours of direct sun coming through the window, people, not outside on the patio, through the window, you've got a few hours, a couple of hours, east-facing exposure is perfect. You have the ideal location for that moth orchid. And the cool thing about a moth orchid is that it will put up with your negligence if you neglect it the right way, okay? And the whole deedly do with ice cubes is to keep it drought stressed. Now, you and I both know, working in the nursery industry, what are we doing out there every day, every department there, are people walking around first thing, and they're looking at the moisture content of each and every pot in their department, and they are watering like little fiends. Okay, now you've got a plant that you want to check the moisture level but you kind of want to hands off because you want that medium, whatever it's potted in, bark, bark mix, sphagnum moss, whatever. You want it to actually dry between watering events. And this is like counterproductive. People don't like that. They want to like work. They want to, they want to interact with their plant. And now I have to tell them, that, nope, nope, nope. Put your finger in the medium. How wet is it? How dry is it? If it's not dry yet, you have to wait a couple of days before you get to do something. So enter ice cubes. I was in Taiwan, not my money, it was University of Maryland. I was working there at an international orchid conference. Yeah, they have international orchid conferences. It was way cool. And the organizer came bustling up to me and said, Carol, Carol. And I knew him from the United States. The orchid world is kind of small. He said, we found the perfect way to water a Phalaenopsis orchid. Now, backstory, you have to understand that the Taiwanese government in the 1990s wanted to take over the Phalaenopsis production of the world, okay? They wanted to become number one. And they put tremendous funds in research and development, and they bankrolled growers so that they could figure out how to mass produce, like pansies. How do you mass produce pansies? How do you mass produce Phalaenopsis orchids? And they focused in on this issue of people want to interact with their plant, and yet you've got a plant that needs to dry between waterings. How do you communicate that worldwide? And that's the ice cube because it's a minuscule amount of water. It will keep the blossoms on the phalaenopsis because if they're drought stressed, they'll hang on to those flowers. But if you overwater, they drop. So how do you get the world to underwater their orchid and feel good about it? Ice cube. What they came up with was one, two, whatever ice cubes per week keeps the plant constantly drought stressed. And because of the physiology of that plant, how it works, it hangs onto the flowers. 
you have a long floral display. As a consumer, you are happy, happy, happy. And when this one, finally the flowers fade and you throw it away, because this is a pot plant, all right, you've had a good experience and you go out and you buy another one. So this is working with the physiology of the plant, constantly keeping it drought stressed because under those conditions, it will hold its flowers. Now, you, if you don't water it seven months I, or something like that, I'm sure, you know, that's not the way to grow. And constantly they're developing a market of it needs this disposable plant. You constantly have to have one in bloom on your kitchen table or whatever. And this is how it works. That was a long explanation, but that gives you the background of why ice cubes even was suggested. So they throw out the plant. Absolutely. This is, and that's why we don't recommend that. We recommend you buy a plant and you keep the plant and take care of it correctly. Right. But think of poinsettias. Now, I know a lot of the listeners out there are diligently growing their poinsettias until, you know, March or June. Yeah, she's waving her hand, folks. And they grow into these big, lanky green things that get white fly and scale and mealybugs and spider mites. You really want to do that, guys? No. Or, but the industry is set up that you enjoy the bracts, Christmas is over, throw it out. So what do you recommend? Do you say we should put the ice cube on the orchid? No. 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 Because what you're doing as a marketing, I'm going to call it gimmick in air quotes, is not horticulturally would tear at my heart. Because people don't realize a lot of orchids, especially the orchid hybrids, will outlive us, Stephanie. This is a long-lived plant. This is like buying a redwood seedling, putting ornaments on it, and then throwing it out. No, redwoods live to be hundreds of years old. So same deal, except that it's a phalaenopsis. Lives to be 60, 75 years old if you don't kill it outright. All right, so I teach how to grow this plant horticulturally so that it will get bigger every year and bless you with more and more and more and more flowers as that plant matures. And that leads you into the whole repotting of them, which a lot of people are afraid to do. And that's why they would come to you and and you had everything sterilized and you had your special clippers. And I know when I had the orchid show at the nursery, I would get very confused because every orchid expert seemed to tell me something different. So I just went to Carol. You have to plant it in this. You have to have this pot or that pot. And Carol said, no, 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 no. This is what we're going to do. So tell me a little bit about repotting an orchid. Everybody listening probably is a Benke's fan. We all loved Benke's. And I had a particular affection for Benke's besides being my second family. I mean, some of those folks that I had known for a decade or more and We go out and we carouse together, or we actually, we go plant buying together. We enable each other. But Banky's allowed me to, now I have to understand, I'm a scientist. I actually have a master's degree where orchids were the subject of my research, all right? So everything, that's why I'll talk about plant physiology, and I'll use all these big words, but just drag me back and tell me to translate. So Banky's allowed me to put my hands on about a thousand orchids a year, a thousand orchids. If you're a scientist, you know, that's a beautiful sample. Boy, if you're going to run an experiment and you've got a thousand different subjects, that gives you a really good sample. And not only that, not only to give me a good sample, it showed me 
all of the places that people get their orchids into as far as getting into trouble. Can I love this to death? Let me count the ways. And I got to see all of them. So as a troubleshooter, and I love troubleshooting, I was able to take this plant and because I understand its physiology and I understand how it works, I was able to say, oh, well, I don't think this plant's getting enough light. Or, or how often are you watering? Tell me how you're watering. I got all of these folks' plants to look at and learn how to solve all of the common issues. One of the biggest issues besides overwatering or not enough light was that people are afraid to touch the roots. And the medium would degrade, it would compact, it would absorb salts. Orchids are salt-sensitive plants, okay? Too much salts in the medium, and the roots start to die, and the leaves start to die, and then you've got a dead body, and everybody's unhappy. So repotting became the sunlight, proper watering, the number three out of three techniques to get that plant to grow, to be live to be 20 or 30 years old something that you would actually give to your grandchildren. I know with the nursery closing, there was a lot of your fans left wondering, now what are we going to do? Because I know that they were repeat customers. They only let Carol talk. Oh, Carol is called the orchid lady, by the way. And they were we going to get them done? So Carol, can you let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you, or where they can go? I, I know you still do clinics and how that works. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love in life is to be able to teach people how to grow plants. And that's not just orchids, that's plants. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm an ISA certified arborist. That's one of the reasons why I do landscape design. It's another reason why I focus on native plants, stormwater management, all of these things is to help people grow plants in their environment so that they can get that, that satisfaction that I get. So I'm sharing my satisfaction. When you grow a plant successfully, and whether it's an azalea or an oak tree, and you go, wow, I did that. Pat yourself on the back. Okay. So I continued through the help of some friends to hold clinics. I do call them clinics. They're not actually repotting clinics. They're diagnostic clinics and repotting sessions, because usually it falls to getting that plant into new medium. So I do repot a lot. But uh, we started pre-COVID in some folks would host me in their homes and in the nice weather in their backyards so that we could kind of all spread out, you know, have a good time. Well, with COVID, that kind of like shrank that ability. Last summer, we did a bunch of repotting sessions outside, masked, distanced. Yeah, sometimes it got a little warm, but, but I've got a perfect place with lots of shade. And if you go to my Facebook page, and the Facebook page is Orchid Lady Carol. As I start to, when I put together a clinic, it'll be up on Facebook. I'm not as good as keeping my uh, website, which is orchidlady.net up. Um, Stephanie, you need to make sure I do that. Well, Stephanie will make sure when you have clinics that we put it on our email and our website. So they're outside, there's, they're masked, they're distanced. And the first one will probably be the first part of May because that's when the weather is comfortable enough. I don't care about you guys. It's comfortable enough for your orchid. No, I worry about, about my And people. it's by appointment too, right? Yeah, we have made it by appointment and they're spaced throughout the day. 
first of all, this keeps you from having to wait so long. When we just when we just opened it up, I mean, people would be waiting for hours, and I would feel so bad. So now it's by appointment. And through my Facebook page is probably, that's Orchid Lady Carol. The best way to get hold of you. Yeah. And Stephanie's support is so wonderful. Banky, Beyond Banky's support is so wonderful. Well, I don't know if everybody knows, but I get a lot of questions throughout the year. Of course, I'm not the expert. I know where to go. And Carol is one of my go-to people. And so a lot of the answers come directly from Carol, or I'll just give your email to them. You know, we, we make you all hook up. It works out pretty good. But Stephanie, wait a minute. What about your forum? You're going to Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a forum. I was going to touch on that maybe. Okay. We just started a brand new forum. I'm really excited, the gardening forum. And we got a lot of people signing up. I just need you all to introduce yourselves. We're getting people asking questions. And we have a a section called Digging Deeper, where each week I'll, I'll post a question on the front page of my email that goes out. Or, you know, it's in different places. I think this week it's about how do you feel? about, of course, when this comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks ago, but how do you feel about having a garden for kids to work at in their schools? Just how would that work? So yeah, I'm excited about the garden forum. I'm excited about this podcast and we're going to go right into this other section that's going to be called our green thumb time, where I have a couple basic questions that I'll ask every guest each month. And here we, you ready? So the first one is, Carol, can you give us, or what is your go-to gardening resource? Is it a book or is it a website or what is that resource for you? Okay. So, oh my gosh, I guess you figured out I've been gardening and dealing with plants and playing with plants all of my life. And you know, Stephanie, I can, other than mom, I mean, mom was a fabulous resource, but I can remember the key people in my life as I grew up that were my go-to resources. I still remember the German farmers that farmed across the street from our house in Rochester, New York, Art and Ada and Amanda Zwerger. And when we moved there, they they farmed with horses. And of course, oh my gosh, I was in love. Horses weren't in love with me. They were plow horses. But you know, I learned things like crop rotation. I learned things about how to hay. Now this is all agriculture guys, but Amanda taught me how to make hollyhock dolls. And then in that way, I learned how to grow hollyhocks. So you see, I think it's people. People. Well, that's like, you're my people. So (laughs) you're one of my big resources. Oh, thank you. You learn from, and sometimes it's your parents or your aunt or your uncle or your grandparents or the neighbor down the street who just grows fabulous chrysanthemums. Yeah. Yes. I had a chrysanthemum mentor and he's gone now, but I learned about pinching and about selections and thrips and all of these wonderful things that you learn from your mentors. So for me, it's people. That's a great answer. What are your top two favorite plants? It's a hard question. Yeah, it really is. I think I have to say azaleas, both native, which I have a passion for. Oh my gosh, I have a passion for native azaleas. Now here we go back to, you've got to have the environment because these guys evolved. And if they evolved on this top of this Rocky Mountain, you better believe they're not going to like my Maryland situation at all. They're (laughs) going to tell me just exactly what they think about that and they're going to die. So you go back to site analysis. And so azaleas, and I do love the Asiatic hybrids. I have a lot of those. So I don't always do native plants, but I do a lot. And of course, the other one is going to be orchids. 
Yeah, she's the orchid lady, you know. Yeah. So here's my last question on this green thumb segment. I want you to finish this statement. When I'm not gardening, I also like to talk to people about plants. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> but you like to play. You have cats. I do have kitty cats. And yes. Like snakes. I yeah, I do have snakes. It's okay, Stephanie. They're they're in their hablas. They're yeah, in the that's where they can stay. <laughs> <laughs> but cats, you and I both have cats, and yes, we, we do like cats. So anyhow, so we've talked a little bit about how the audience can reach you. I just want to say it again. Carol has a place on Facebook, Orchid Lady Carol. Three separate words. Three separate words. And your website is orchidlady.net. And also if you go under on Banky's website, beyondbanky's.com, we have under resources for speakers and stuff, I have a, information about Carol there. Because if you do have an organization, Carol can talk about many different subjects, not just orchids. You know, she's just fantastic and she does great PowerPoints and all sorts of stuff. Making me blush. Don't blush. So anyhow, that's going to probably lead us into the ending of today. I want to thank you so much for coming out today and getting on the phone or what is this, the computer, the podcast with me. I hope I can invite you back to chat about another topic another time. We covered a lot of information, but Carol has so much great stories and information to talk about. So maybe during the year, we'll catch back up. Anytime. That'd be great. I just want to let everybody know that if you're hearing what I'm saying right now, that means you listened all the way to the end of this podcast. And I really want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope you join us next month for another guest that I think that you'll be excited to hear about. I'm not going to let it go yet. Like I said, these podcasts will come out the first Thursdays of the month. So to wrap things up, I think this is the perfect time to check out your local garden centers. Start your own love affair with these wonderful plants called orchids. I know I'm going to be heading out because February, as I recall, is a great time to get an orchid, the garden center stock up for Valentine's Day. And they have so many, so many beautiful orchids that it's just, you can't go wrong. So I hope everybody enjoyed this first episode of the Beyond Banky's Gardening Podcast. And if you did, please leave us a review on wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to check out our new public forum that Carol mentioned. It's on our website at beyondbankies.com. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> I want to well, say thank, thank you, you, Stephanie. Yeah. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. All of you listeners, thank you so much for your attention. I can't see you or hear you, but I know you're out there. Well, I can see Carol. So <laughs> that made my day. It's so nice. Yeah. You guys make my day. Yeah. So thank everybody for listening. Till next time, this is Stephanie Fleming from Beyond Bankies. I want you to stay safe, be happy, and remember if you truly love nature, You'll find beauty everywhere.